Heidi ho neighbor. Heidi ho. Heidi ho neighbor from 40 miles away. I miss oh, you. I miss you. Fuck, this is so How's, bad. Oh, it's bad. It's real bad. I was just telling Lillian a moment ago that uh, I was super, super excited that it is sunny out today. Um, it's beautiful, and uh, I usually have a much uh, gothier approach to the weather, and like, I am good with a cloudy sky and thunderstorms <laughs> and rain, and that's all fine with me. But like, right now, no, I absolutely need sunshine, I need some vitamin D in mm-hmm. my brain, pull in some double time. Yeah, like, for sure. Come on. Yeah, I'm, I'm tempted to like go lay out even though A, it's too cold to do that, and B, I get sunburn in 10 seconds. <laughs> so like... I was telling Jen, I've just been kind of daydreaming lately. I haven't been getting very much done and I'm trying not to freak out about that. Um, Cause whatever. But like the days, even though we are stuck inside somehow seem shorter. Like mm-hmm. my sense of time is wrecked. Yeah. Entirely wrecked. Um, and even though like, obviously we're not commuting anywhere. I still can't like the amount of time it takes. It's because I'm so distracted. I just figured it out. I literally just figured it out. Like it takes me longer to do anything because I'll, I'll be putting away the dishes and I'll stop and I'll be like, what does the future hold? Sure. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I can't, I can't pick anything on Netflix. Cause I'm like, no, that's <sighs> not going to, nothing makes me happy. <laughs> no. Oh my God. Do you know what I tried to watch last night? First of all, I'm going to do an early technical recommendation, but you may want to hold off on it, friends. Okay. Uh Uh-oh. In 2015, Fox came out with a show called The Last Man on Earth. It starred Will Forte and Kristen Schaal. I watched that for a few few seasons. I watched all of it. I loved the shit out of it. I thought it was brilliant. I thought Will Forte was, was, uh, was absolutely rubbed. Of any kind of Emmy acknowledgement because he was... Yeah, they never got anything. No, they never got anything. It was a really brilliant show and very well done. Lots of heart. Uh, and, and Will Forte was just perfect. Uh, yeah. At any rate, I was like, oh, you know what? I loved The Last Man on Earth. Let me let me watch that again. I pull it up on uh, on Hulu and the byline is... The year is 2020, and a virus has wiped out almost the entire population. And I was like, <laughs> okay, never mind, not now, not now, not now. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> cool. Life imitating art. For fucking real, I didn't, I mean, of course I remembered that it was an apocalypse, however. Oh, I don't, yeah, no, they don't really talk about what happened, because everybody's just gone. Right, everyone's just yeah. Everybody's just. It's gone. not like yeah. it's not like the houses are full of dead people. It's not like there's any zombies. Right. Yes. Yes. And I certainly didn't remember the year, but Jesus Christ. So, um, <laughs> so there was that. I mean, if if you're the kind of person who needs a deep sense of irony right now, I will say it's a brilliant show. However, if it's a little <laughs> it really too close to home, just maybe save it for later. Presuming that there's a later. Yeah. you know i'm sure that this that this crisis is bringing up a lot of existential questions for everyone and um i'm sure for a significant portion of us it is like wow okay faced with this level of change and destruction and transformation what do i want the rest of my life to look like right yeah 
Yeah. I'm usually the kind of person who I, I have felt in the past, like a crucible like this is good for me where I'm like, Oh, it's crunch time. I'm going to find out a lot about myself. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons why I feel very like treading water because that's not what's happening to me right now. (laughs) Right. Um, but I did, uh, if anybody's interested, I retweeted it yesterday. Uh, I found a really good Twitter thread that was specifically addressing people with ADD and ADHD and Ooh. PTSD um, and executive function disorder. And she was just like, is anyone else with these with these issues having a really hard time right now? And there were like 500 comments when I found it. And that was just really normalizing because, like I said, everybody's like, I'm going to launch this new online business and I'm going to blah, blah, blah. Even when I so even when I was like, um, I'm having trouble cleaning my studio, I wish uh, I'm just asking for encouragement. Suddenly I had all these people giving me advice and people who were like, I'm a professional organizer. I want to help you do this. And I'm like, that's super sweet. But my specific problems with ADD (laughs) and my family's hoarding stuff. Right. No, I've never worked with a personal organizer whose whose concepts have worked for me at all because sure. what normally what most people's problem is with organizing is not what my problem is. Um, and my my friend, I was talking to this lovely gal, uh, and I said, even just t- talking to you about talking to you about this is giving me anxiety. Like mm-hmm. this isn't how. What I have to do is put on some music and then just go sit and then sort through piles slowly. And be okay with that. Mm. Um, and it can't be this whole, I can't do the Marie Kondo thing. I can't. Right. I can't do so many of the things that usually work with people because of the way my emotions deal with actual um, physical objects and also the organization thereof. Sure. Absolutely. Anyway. Absolutely. It was, it was very, um, very normalizing. Mm-hmm. That's nothing. Really I mean, good. yeah, I was not saying I'm not, I wasn't feeling like a failure, but I certainly feel like I have, everyone's like, this is an opportunity to blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> uh, I, I feel I can relate to you in that sense of like taking advantage of any, taking advantage of, of a crucible of a pressurized situation to force yourself to come up with something in a time of panic and pressure. Um, but Honestly, and this, it's funny because uh, we were together, you and I were together with some friends uh, at Pianist Envy, and your friend Amy was like, oh, you're like famous online, aren't you an influ... And I was like, D-d-d-petition. nope, don't use that word. <laughs> oh, wait, what was the word? She was going to call me an influencer. Oh, oh, I got it. <laughs> Which is technically true, but it makes me want to add 17 different asterisks with many footnotes and uh, and arguments that include me standing on a soapbox and, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> but what I see so many influencers still doing is still, like, hawking their wares and moving forward with things as though we're not in a moment of crisis. And not that I don't see a need for there to be some semblance of normalcy, because we we do. However, I think that's a fine line. And yeah. it feels vapid. 
Yeah. Maybe that's what, maybe the, it disingenuous is what it feels like to me. Totally. Totally. It's one thing if you're distracting yourself. I mean, for the love of God, I am distracting myself with this podcast for like easily 10 hours out of the day. Uh, without question it's it's been my go-to i try and get out in the sunshine if i'm given sunshine and i come here and i try not to have a total meltdown panic attack um because things are real bad but uh so you know if you're like posting pictures of yourself with this new serum or this (laughs) new you know and like it's a tough spot for me Because on one hand, I'm like, oh, that is normal content with levity. But on the other, it's like, how can we focus on anything other than, if not the, if not the, 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 the depression of this, which it certainly is, certainly on the gravity of it. And Uh like this moment of change, which doesn't necessarily have to be seen in a, in a negative lens, but like, but it is serious. Right. Even if good, right. even if good change <clears throat> comes from this, it is serious right now, uh, yep. and it's like huh, the biggest thing we're probably ever going to live through. <laughs> Presuming that we if do. we live through right. it, <laughs> right? Exactly. I don't see monetizing this as a great thing. <laughs> and the yeah. more the more I continue to get totally tone deaf emails from companies. Whose products uh. I purchase where they're like, blah, blah, sale today. Don't you need new? And I'm like, no, bitch. <laughs> and you know what? Did I make a purchase I absolutely should not have? I sure did. <laughs> I purchased my fucking Augustine Trench from Tamara Malice. <gasps> yeah. I did. I knew I was going to get it anyway. And I just, like, I mean... I knew I was going to get it, and I wanted it, and then all this happened, and I was oh, just thinking Oh, that's a about, happy place. It is. It is. And now I'm like, oh, will I ever get to wear it somewhere? Maybe I'll wear it in the bathtub. <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, oh. you know, she she's donating, I believe, 10% of anything that somebody spends um, for uh, for an appropriate cause right now. I can't remember which, but you know. Um, and like, she's someone I'm concerned about losing business. She makes really nice things that are at luxury costs. And I was like, fuck it. She's been a lovely person to me. This is something I was absolutely planning on getting anyway. Let me support her now. But like, she's trying more than, you know, some big brand that actually has Uh the wherewithal and has significant reach uh, can exert that kind of influence on people, you know? Right. Oh my God. So much soap Ah. right now. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, I think that you can just, we honestly, we can just let people know that they can skip it if they want to. And then we'll get into the fun stuff. Yay. I do like the fun Uh... stuff. It is, it is a really good distraction. Oh my god! Okay, wait. What? I'm gonna I'm gonna kick off the fun stuff. Uh, presuming that most of you who are listening now have been listening to these quarantinis as we've been moving forward. So when I when we did the uh, all the wild things episode, um, and I was telling Lillian about my uh, the puppy that I had as a kid, Casey. I knew I was forgetting something important because this Malamute, this Alaskan Malamute puppy could absolutely not have just 
taken off like a herd of birds and my mom could have caught her. That, like, how? How? Uh. So I was talk. I was on a big um, group chat with my mom and my aunt and my cousin the other day. And I was like, Mom, I was talking to Lillian about KC and I must have forgotten something. She used to run away, right? And my mom was like, yes, all the time in the like four to six weeks that we had her. And I was like, how did you catch her? And she goes, oh, I had to tie full milk jugs of water around her neck to slow her down (laughs) so I could catch her. So uh, I'm I'm really excited to hear what your daydreams were like as a child because, um, because you know mine were very linearly what I ended up doing by and large, uh, which to, to me feels to, it is amazing and I'm so grateful for it and also in a way to me it feels a little more boring like I almost wish my life had zigged and zagged and I had had all these concocted ideas in my head about what else I would do and then you know I don't know got a fever and woke up and thought well eureka (laughs) (laughs) I need to be by the footlights but that's not what happened I just like I was born and I was like oh I'm gonna do this and then I did so I'm real 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 excited to hear about oh my god that's amazing no my whole my whole life has been zigs and zags like if I had been if I had been diagnosed with ADD and medicated as a younger person, maybe I could have latched onto one thing and been like, oh, here we go. Maybe I'll focus on this. But I was not and never did focus on anything. And my mom wanting to encourage everything that I wanted to do, she was always very supportive. But it was like too much sometimes. Like she was never like, oh, maybe you should just try harder on this thing instead of <laughs> quitting and doing this thing instead. She was always like, no, that seems right. Let's go do that. Um, the first thing that I remember wanting to be when I grew up was a magician. My family really loved David Copperfield. And I really wanted, like, I love David Copperfield. And I ha- they bought me, like, a bunch of magic kits to... So much so that my mom was buying me magic tricks like well into high school when this was when I was like five. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I had this, I had this hilarious little, it was very cool. It was like, it was a box that looked maybe a bit like, um, like a fake, uh, suitcase maybe. And it had all of these drawers and tricks that you could either take out and then do or you could use the box to do the tricks like there were trap doors and little things built into it so the intricacy the intricacy of it by itself was enough to fascinate me mm-hmm. it was amazing but I had like I had like a bunch of sponge balls and I, I used to do this cup trick where you could like it looks like you made the balls disappear but really it was three cups nestled inside of each other so you would like lift one up and then trap a sponge ball inside of it. And then it looked like it disappeared. Like I (laughs) was admittedly not great at any of these tricks, but I knew how to do all of them. And I remember, and this is such a fucking heartbreak. I remember looking around and thinking about literally every, even like at children's entertainers. And I was like, Oh, girls don't do magic. Yeah. And then it was over. 
then it was literally, that was it. It wasn't, I was just like, oh, I guess that's not what I get to do. And so I stopped working on it. And that happened multiple times over my life. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. So when people say representation doesn't matter, that's, that's a bunch of It's hogwash. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a that's a white man saying that. Absolutely, absolutely. And if you like, we can really uh, we can get uh, get on our harpy horses about it later because harpy horses. <gasps> oh my god, I'm gonna draw us on some harpy horses. <laughs> that's what I'm gonna do when we get off the phone. Uh, whatever harpy. When... <laughs> when we finally hire Jen Saint Ange to do our portraits, yes, can we put us on harpy horses. Yes, please. Um, yeah, that's, that's absolutely heartbreaking. And I remember, I mean, I have felt that way multiple times in my life. Um, and it sounds like you and I had very similar experiences with that and like feeling alienated from girls as kids and Mm. really only getting better being around, uh, women as we got older and realizing, oh Oh, oh, my God, women are the shit. (laughs) Like, what was I thinking? Um, but like, I, I felt that way about wanting to be a funny performer. Mm. No mm-hmm. women that I saw were celebrated as being funny actors. It was very right. seldom, and they were shelved in very specific boxes. And even then, it absolutely could not be a fat girl. Um, uh-uh. You know, so like, uh, I remember feeling that profoundly it made me think I knew myself so well and it wasn't a trans feeling so I don't want to mislabel it but it was definitely this feeling of like well but this is exactly who I am maybe I was supposed to be a guy instead because there's oh, no... Oh, I know, you know exactly what you mean. Yes, right, yes, yes. Right, Yes. Yes, this... And I remember even describing myself as such, like, um, basically a, a guy. Because it was the only place that I could see room for the person that I was. And the colors that were actually a part of my personality. And, um, and the, the leadership that I wanted to show. Yeah. I wish I had had women to look up to... Um, so that I wouldn't, so that I wouldn't look outside of myself and like the, the biggest box that I get dropped into. (laughs) 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 Puns and puns. Um, Uh. (laughs) for, for that permission, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I, um, I, like when I, especially in the eighties, cause the eighties had a very specific, we definitely have talked about this before, like the, the powerful businesswoman, she looked exactly like this and her shoulder pads were like this and her mm-hmm. hair was like this. And she was like, uh, just seductive enough to like wield her womanly power, but then she wasn't going to like stoop to whatever, mm-hmm. you know, every dumb eighties trope about a powerful businesswoman, which were all let's remind ourselves, created by men. Thousand percent. Uh, yeah. uh, but, like, I wasn't around, like, cool hippie lesbians. I wasn't around um, much of, I mean, and I'm not crapping on housewives and moms, but, like, it. that's that's all I saw. I saw, right. I saw like, a handful of businesswomen, like, career women, 
Um, and then however that was shaped in Girl Scouts. And then it was just a bunch of Virginian moms, which is again, fine, totally fine. But I didn't see anything else. Yeah. I saw, I saw like my friend's mom went back to school to do something with computers, but then they took us to this place and just showed us a big mainframe computer and talked about ones and zeros. And I was like, well, I don't understand any of this shit. So, and it looks like you have to wear uncomfortable shoes to do this. So I don't want to do that. Right. (laughs) Um, But then the next thing that I wanted to be was a judge. Yes. Give me that Capricorn bossy bitch. I know. I know. (laughs) Well, even more Capricorn-y. Then I found out you're supposed to be a lawyer first and then I was not interested. (laughs) (laughs) That's so great. Oh my God, that's so I just remember at a very young age, I mean, I told you before, I was aware that my parents were in financial trouble. And I remember just being like, well, this isn't fair. Like no one's listening to our side of the story. And I would be the kind of person who would be fair and who would listen to everybody. And then like, I, like my sense of injustice was, came like five or six years old, maybe, Mm. um, it was, I was really confronted with wrong or right and morality very young. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I don't understand. This isn't so hard. Some people, you know, this is what people need clarity on. And then literally, literally, my mom finally was like, well, but when you go to law school, and I was like, law school? Uh, shut it down. <laughs> no, this is about inflection. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh. Uh, yeah, so that was womp womp. Womp womp. I felt that way. Um, I felt that way about being a vet. Mm. I would say the only career that I really spent some uh, mental time on <laughs> mm-hmm. that was not what I'm doing right now. Uh, was was being a vet, and I was like, oh, I love hanging out with animals. I could hang out with animals all the time. Obviously, you know, completely sidestepping all of the sadness that is oh, inherent sure. in no. such a thing, right? Yes. Uh, otherwise, I wanted to be like a, oh, God, I guess I wanted to be like a seal trainer or a dolphin trainer, you know, all that kind of fun oh, shit. Oh, yeah. But then learning all of the science that you had to have first and that you had to have a degree in, like, marine biology or you had to have or you had to basically go to med school for all of that time after uh after doing a bachelor's in biology and I was like ah this is too much life before actually living my life no (laughs) yes I also wanted to be a marine biologist um it's you know things in the water are aliens they're absolutely I used to have constant dreams um, that were sometimes good and bad, but like where I was like fighting an octopus or um, like swimming around with seahorses. Uh, and I I liked studying things and animals made more sense to me to study because mm-hmm. it, it didn't have to do with so much math. <laughs> sure. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. I oh, my God. I wanted to I wanted to study sharks for my life. <gasps> sharks. How I interesting. Love sharks. sharks are my favorite animals. And they have I I, like you. I'm essentially a nine year old boy when it comes to most <laughs> things. 
<laughs> I really like sharks and farts and grilled cheese. Oh, sharks. <laughs> <laughs> I remember in the in the episode where you were talking about chicken shit class where you did yes. your report on sharks. <laughs> I love sharks. Sharks the shit. I will still watch literally any shark movie. I don't care how bad it is. I do not. <laughs> I not not at all. And, to that uh, point, Sharknado is fucking great. I had a brief flirtation with wanting to become an interior designer. Um, I definitely, that definitely came out of my insecure home life <laughs> where I was like, I just want to make things beautiful and have a beautiful place to live. Yes. And unfortunately, <laughs> my spatial relations aren't super great. So that didn't really come about. But um, I spent a lot of time learning about color palettes and like, um, like how colors influence your mood. Um, and you know what? Actually, thinking about this, fuck, I would have been really good with industrial and organizational psychology. So industrial and organizational psychology Tell is a field of psychology that has it. Well, okay. So if you think about like a startup and what what everybody whether it's somebody making fun of it in a movie or whether you've actually been to a startup office where it's like mm-hmm. bright, simple colors and then like big like beanbag chairs. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anything that – and of course this changes over time, but like it's what is going to incubate – a good work experience for the people who are in it. And that can be a million different things. So like um, Professor Gamash, who he was so strange and I just loved him so much. Um, he, he himself had specialized in industrial and organizational psychology, specifically where he was brought into a, a coal mine and asked to redesign the switches on the, um, whatever the thing is that they were driving and digging out the coal with, because it's dark in a coal mine and the switches all had like different colors on them. Mm-hmm. So he made them all different shapes. So you could operate in low light. Ah. Um, yes. And had, he had a whole patent on that. And he was the first person I ever heard talk about a heads up display um, and about how that was like the wave of the future. He's gone now, but he was, he was really cool. And like, I had really nice conversations with him and he really believed in me. And I just had too much of a wanderlust. You know what I mean? Sure. Yes. And I also, though, I still didn't see. I was so scared of being trapped in something that was gray and boring. And so much. So Mm -hmm. things like that always sounded so gray and boring to me. When in fact, what they should have sounded like were stable and uh, a way to use your creativity in a in a way that would make you money. (laughs) Mm hmm. Um, but yeah, when I wanted to be an interior designer, I actually took a drafting class, the the one that was in our weird back building and, um, not much came out of that except for my eyesight got exponentially worse that year (laughs) because I was in bad lighting, staring at all of these tiny little pixel, like graph paper drawings. Literally, literally, they were like, if you are going to do this, you have to, you just know that this, you could go blind. (laughs) (laughs) Which is probably not true at all. Oh, no. 
And you were also, like, uh, you had mentioned at some point that y- you were making yourself read in a dark car over and over, right? Or yeah. Like, yeah. When, when I was a kid, I mean, my eyes had no, I had no hope from the beginning. My dad was legally blind. Um, so I got the bad eyes. My sister got the bad teeth. <laughs> what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Um, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, I'm negative eight and a half in one eye and negative nine in another. Holy fuck. Mm -hmm. Oh no. Yep. It's great. (laughs) I always think when I think about that, I always think about shows like Lost and any sort of like plane crash situation because either I would have my contacts in, um, and then they would like pop out of my eyes in the water when the plane crashed or I would lose my glasses inevitably at some point. And then I would be a drain on whatever small society we were trying to recreate. They'd probably kill me and eat me. So. Oh no. But at I'm, least you I'm couldn't not... see it happen. <laughs> I couldn't see. I couldn't see it coming. <laughs> Blissfully unaware. So when did you, I mean, when did you know that you wanted to be an actor and like what, when did you realize that there were concrete steps that you could take to get there? The part that I feel is so um, dismissive, worth dismissing um, is like, well, yeah, I've been this person from jump, but I think also the really fun part of our podcast is yeah, we've been these people for a really long fucking time. (laughs) Yep. <laughs> and like so what's my what's my all the fucks version of this story? I guess it's that like part of being so earnest and feeling so many things all the time just came out in me like needing to express myself and needing to have a super active inner life and needing to have all of these fantasies and pretend worlds and stories and things that I was acting out with my My Little Ponies and... Oh, um, yes. Yeah. Like, just everything was an interior storytelling adventure for me. All of it. And the way it escaped me was in this very hammy way. Um, Like, one other thing that I kind of... that shares the same real estate is that I I wanted to be a ringmaster for a little while. I never wanted to be like a circus performer because I didn't think I had any skill sets that would serve that well. Sure. But to be a fucking ringmaster, I would have nailed that shit. And again, uh, you never saw women as ringmasters. No. Um and I would like to plug my friend Storm Marrero who was yeah, just a, the most fabulous ringmaster for the Big Apple Circus. So it could still be in your future. Who right? Knows? Um, yeah. Yes, I knew that you had a friend who did that. Uh, oh, she's so great. I hope you get to meet her someday. She's so great. Oh, we could go see her at the circus. I haven't been to the circus in a million years. Uh, the circus is over, but she works with company XIV and a bunch of stuff like that. So Ooh. we, yes, we can absolutely. When the world stopped ending, we can go see her. <laughs> she's Thank great oh, I fucking love her <sighs> hooray um so yeah like I I wanted to be a ringmaster and that was kind of the same the same area uh occupied the same area but like 
because I didn't have any plays that I could be in, because there were no theatrical outlets, and because I was so different from my own parents, um, it just kind of... It, like it leaked out of this overflowing pot in like, oh, are we all going to get together for Thanksgiving? Let me sing and dance and tell you stories. Let me host <laughs> Thanksgiving all by myself. Let me get on a microphone during Christmas and announce what everybody has. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> this is how it, this is how it spilled out of me because I didn't know where it was supposed to go. Sure. Um, and I think I probably, I mean, I watched movies and eventually the thought came, um, although I will say that probably most of what I watched was using Muppets and or animation. Mm. And so very early on, I felt like, oh my God, to really be what I would like, what I want more than anything in the world is to, is to tell stories with Muppets. Nice. Nice. I want to act with Muppets. <laughs> yes. Oh, I, uh, uh, there was a period of time where I was entirely certain that I would just be performing on Sesame Street. I don't know why. Yes. I didn't have a ton of experience with, with puppets, but I am very just kind of naturally good with them. Um, You're good with them. You're a big weirdo. You're very driven. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. Yes. <laughs> um, but then. Those are the only but three then, qualifications you need. Yes. Yes, and forgive me because I don't want to interrupt this, but when I moved to New York, I also quickly understood that the puppet people are not my kind of weirdo. There was a level of gravity to puppet weirdos that I didn't understand at all, like mm. especially with experimental puppetry, which mm. it's all beautiful, but it's play. It's meant right. to be playful, and that's why it's so appealing. And I worked with some very interesting and cool and very talented people. Um, and there's nothing wrong with taking your art seriously, but, like, uh, I mean, I quit when I was with this dude. I don't, I don't even remember his name. He had worked with Basil Twist, who's the big puppet guy in New York, and um, was just so upsettingly fucking grave about every he was like a john malkovich character absolutely oh no yes. oh no you know how he's all into the the marionettes and being john yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yes uh this john malkovich guy... stresses me the fuck out man <laughs> i love him so much but i understand you yeah, know what i mean? had to Yo, yeah, yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, this fucking, you know, when you're talking to somebody and you want to just be like, are you real right now? Because <laughs> right. Is this, this performance guy was art? so, and he was like, we need to get into the mind of the puppet. <laughs> I mean, it's one of the same reasons why I left theater. I was just like, why do you guys take yourself so fucking seriously? Stop yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. In working pretentious, with, um, pretentious, 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 pretentious. <laughs> in in working with people though who were directly who worked with Henson and who worked for Sesame Workshop though, I did see that I saw only playfulness. Oh, so sure. I, you know, I feel like there's sort of a like a boutique level of puppet um, um, pretension, and sure. then I feel like. The people who are really at the height of the of the heart of it, like well, it, it, it is all a game. Oh, and I know I'm I know I'm painting everything with a broad brush. I know that all actors aren't like that. I love actors, and I have puppeteers in my life talking to one of them right now who I love. Like I like people 
who do all these kinds of things. But yeah, of course. You know, when you get enough enough experiences with a person, then that if anything happens that ever makes you say that type of person, then you have had a lot of experience. Right. Exactly. And it's and it's exactly. unfair, but it's a heuristic, and we all do mental. We all like, do jumping jack, So yes. Uh, it's a, it's self-protective. It helps you know where you want to spend your time. And look, people like you have to be very picky about where you put your time. <laughs> people like you and I me, just... especially because we're so approachable. Yeah, <laughs> you, you even more than me. So I think part of it is like those compartmentalization systems are so protective for you because you know all the weirdos are going to zero in on you oh, in a room. Oh, God. If you, I had right? just had better boundaries, I think I would have gotten much further in life. Not, that, that's, not, that's not what I mean. I think I would have been able to focus on a, on a career path earlier. That's what I mean. Yeah, um, sure. Because I really did let people pull me in a million different directions. Because I said yes we to weren't things told that I never for so long yes that we – that we could nope. um, shut down. Yeah, no. Oh, quite the, quite the opposite. Right. Right. Stay open, stay available. And in some ways, in some ways, yes, but there's like a whole lot of uh, small print text mm-hmm. that, that follows that. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think I think there's nothing wrong with saying that this kind of a person right. at all. Yeah. Um, where did this all come from? Okay, uh, you your your shit manifested because you were doing oh. shows for your family. Yes, yes, and I think for a while I kind of didn't know what being an actor was, but I I I wanted to be a storyteller, and it's just that all of the stories that I was watching came from Muppets and from animated characters, and that was all Yay. fine. And then when I started to realize that that real people actually did that. I got super excited and forget it. The first time I saw a play, I was probably out of my mind with feverish joy. And I was like, oh my God, this thing. Oh, wow. (laughs) This is really exciting. Um, So, uh, yeah, it kind of, it all spilled out in like just sort of emceeing for my family. And then I didn't get an, I didn't get a real normal outlet for it until high school Mm. until yes until drama club but also more importantly forensics where I could do it every single day all the time that was the best because drama club drama club club had the same pretension and forensics didn't drama club was like well freshmen can't do this and then of course you have to be this talented, this thin, this pretty, this, this, uh, you know, and then like never actually get quote unquote a worthwhile role until you're a senior anyway. Whereas forensics was like, show up as your big weird self and choose what you want to do. And then you get to do all the parts and then you get to go find other weirdos and do it with them. And I was like, yes. Yeah. (gasps) Yes. I wish somebody had ever rolled it out to me like that. I didn't understand what it was at all. (laughs) Like I knew what debate was. But I didn't, like, until I saw other drama people doing it, I was like, oh, wait. Because mm-hmm. the, the coach was not a theater person, really, oh. per se. She was lovely. She was lovely. But, like, I was so, I was kind of, I mean, I was Sully. I've talked about him before. I was kind of obsessed with the drama teacher and um, wanted to be in his orbit. And that is what felt um, nurturing and fulfilling to me. Yeah. So I didn't really look outside of that scope for a while. 
I loved my forensics coach. Loved her. And she was really good at explaining what it was in from Jump. She got me in the room and my best friend found me. She was like, hi, these are all the reasons it's great for a weirdo like you. And I was like, perfect. And also Yay. I choose you. <laughs> That's lovely. Great. I found the thing I like and I found the person I like. I'm done. <laughs> oh god that's so good I very rarely had any of those moments I mean like again I'm thinking about all of the things that I thought about being a drama teacher Um, I liked camp so much that I was like oh maybe I should be a camp director Um, I wanted to get into youth ministry for a while there were there were so many things that I wanted to do and uh, and I had very little guidance on how to do any of them (laughs) oh Sure. It's okay. I mean, I sure. figured out tons And you didn't of stuff. have anyone molding you for one particular thing, like you said. Like, your mom was no. supportive. She just went wherever you went, but wasn't there as a voice of reason saying, yeah, this thing actually is a really good match for your personality. Let's, let's build a root system here. Oh, yeah. No root system. Also, what root systems when you were little? <laughs> like, come oh, on. Oh, yeah. No, not a single one. <laughs> By the way, the squirrel that's living in my ceiling is back, and I can hear it scrabbling around over my head right now. Oh, no. Yeah, it's very upsetting. Oh. I mean, I don't know what's more upsetting, the fact that it's still there or the fact that we spent $500 on a thing that did not keep it out of the ceiling. <laughs> Both valid. Both oh. very valid. I kind of just want to take a hacksaw and just open up the drywall in the ceiling and just, like, lay in wait. <laughs> a plate full of peanut butter and Sabine right next to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Just put the cat in the ceiling. <laughs> Here you go, babe. You've been looking for something to spice shit up. <laughs> go where you keep. Oh. I mean, I wanted to be a zookeeper. I wanted to... I very much wanted to work with animals. I never wanted to be a veterinarian, though, because I knew from from very young that that was like having to deal with animals dying and I was not going to do that. Um, that didn't I, even occur to me until I was like 27. <laughs> most people, most people, it doesn't. I think nope. it's in the, I think it might be in the, my favorite murder book. I think it's Karen talking about like whoever, whoever the marketing team was that made veterinarian, uh, like a popular, right. a popular future for kids really did some good sales work because that's, like yes. the primary thing is dealing with animals that are dying. <laughs> You're not just there to pet them and hug them and listen to their heart. You're there to stop them from dying and most of the time have to make them die. Uh, like, how awful. Have to make them die. <laughs> <laughs> you have to make a lot of animals die. That's your oh, job. No. Like, that's awful. However, I will say, um, <laughs> I, I, would, I would maybe look at, like... I did have a change of heart pretty late in life. Uh, my, I have a sister-in-law who is an equine chiropractor. What? That's not a thing. It's a thing. That's amazing. I would get. I would absolutely do spinal adjustments to a horse, probably very badly. But how cool would that be, right? But I mean. Your client never complains. So I guess. <laughs> oh, I also really wanted to do horse stuff. 
Uh, I spent a lot of time oh. with horses as a kid. Uh, did I want to be... A, I think I technically for a while wanted to be a professional rider. I went through all different... Um, I went through several years where I was riding regularly. The only problem oh. was I liked riding like a cowgirl. Western, on a Western saddle with a, well, ideally not a hat, but certainly not a helmet or a crop or, you know, big riding boots and a, and a blazer. I did not like English riding at all. Hmm. Um, I preferred real lax Western riding, and there was no way to just do that as like a hobby and certainly not competitively as a child, sure. you know, as opposed to all the girls with their English helmets on with their hair in a French braid and, you know. Oh, like yeah, that's that's a doing, specific uh, thing doing dressage and um and jumping and I had I had a lot of friends who did it competitively but it was not my scene so mm. I, I couldn't figure out how to turn that into a career I I only have one horseback riding story and that was the one time as a kid that we went I went horseback riding and then wound up with a tick in my belly button and then I didn't <laughs> want to go horseback riding again okay but wait okay but wait so I keep thinking about that tick story, but I forgot it was related to a horse. Oh. <laughs> yes. But I absolutely think about that story now every day. Yes, because it's horrifying. I also, horrifying. I also for a while after that, wondered if your belly button could come untied. And every so often, I still wonder that. <laughs> no. When I worked at Colonial Williamsburg, I got, I got... Because it was so hot and it was so sweaty and we had to wear those those layers of clothes. Colonial Williamsburg was like, you could wear, it was like a shift that was went underneath everything and that was made of linen or cotton. And then on the outside, it was thick, thick layers of dress um, that was <sighs> fitted at the top and then you wore hoops at the waist. So there was more stuff around your waist. And then um, it was another, it was a, a skirt that was a separate skirt. And then the overtop part had a bodice and a skirt on it that was V open like a V in the front. Oh my gosh. Why did you do that? <laughs> I, it, oh, I, it seemed like a good idea at the time. I don't know, man. But that, that summer I got like a, a sore in my belly button. It was sort of it, like maybe it was a pimple that got infected. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> All I know is that I was like, oh, I'm so hot. My belly button's sweating. And then I like put my finger in, in my belly button. I was like, ow, ow, what the fuck? And then, of course, immediately I was like, my belly button's coming untied. This is happening. I've been worried about this my whole life. And now it's actually happening. And like then I like out of a balloon. Yes. And then I poked it again and then it was bleeding. And then I was like, oh no. So I just like shoved some toilet paper in there. <laughs> and then I think I put some bactine on it later, but whatever the fuck that was, I don't know, a boil, whatever it was, it was definitely from like being sweaty and being, you know, oh, no. all my everything rubbing up against itself. Oh, and no. um yeah, that thing bled for like three days. Oh shit. Oh my god. That 
must have been terrifying. Yeah, it was disgusting. Three I was... days? Yep. Shit. <laughs> just, I was just leaking through oh, my belly no. button. Can you imagine if it became untied and, like, you just deflated? <laughs> I eviscerated like a sea cucumber. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was all going so well. <laughs> what a great thing I never knew I had to worry about. <laughs> oh, I'm here for you. Look, this is the exact same thing as us reading all the scary stories. One thing to be afraid about that's a little bit more pressing than the other thing that we absolutely should all be afraid of. Oh. <laughs> Whatever. It's fine. We're still here. Um, still I still daydream about stuff. Sometimes I, uh, I double majored in theater and psychology because I think I thought that I was going to be a counselor. And I think about that sometimes, but also that's another like, what, three years. It could happen. The therapist that it I could happen. The therapist Jeez. that I had before who I absolutely adored. She, I think she went back to school when she was 46 Aww. to be a counselor. Yeah. And she was wonderful. Who knows? Not to mention, and not to say that the bar should lower necessarily, mm. but maybe we'll also be in a place where, like now, it's like, you have literally any medical training? Come on, come help people. <laughs> so oh, you have a, a BA in psych? Maybe go through six months of like online training and you can do a certain amount of counseling. Like, sure. You know. That there are there's more gray area in between those career leaps because yeah. we need people. Well, I could be a life we're... coach. Like I think that for a oh thousand God, bucks yes. you can do that. But like I don't feel like people take them very seriously. Even though I think that there's plenty of people out there doing a great deal of good. Very much so. But it's I such mean, a punch. I love now. life coaches. Yeah. I do. And I think honestly for whatever it's worth. I think it's an innate skill set that some people have. Yeah. And so I think that you just being yourself um, and being as driven and insightful as you are, I think there's so much more to be to be said by you already being this dynamic leader who is a very good teacher yeah. and a very good uh, and, and, and just a really good facilitator rather than you going through a program that teaches you how to do a certain thing because that's where it becomes kind of goofy. People who are not necessarily right. innately gifted go and spend $1,000 and then come back and say, I'm a life coach. And it's like, mm, yeah, you're not you... really a life coach unless you already uh, basically were beforehand. Right. Yeah. You know? I agree. No, no, I believe in it. I mean, I've certainly done it. I, I tend to focus more on career, um, but I think a lot of the principles apply across the board. And so when I've had clients come to me talking about just overall life perspective or the need for more joy or how to, um, you know, how to make space or create the right energy for relationship change in whatever way, mm. like I've helped them through that too. So. Nice. Because you're awesome. Ah, like, you're awesome. You're one you of the You can do most... it. You don't have to spend a thousand dollars. Uh, I mean, if I want to call myself a life coach, I do. 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't call yourself a life coach. I'd call yourself like, oh my God, do you know who's doing a masterclass right now? Who? RuPaul. Oh, And it's how to be your most authentic self, which I was actually kind of hoping was a little bit less drag focused because it sounded so good. And I absolutely want to improve myself with RuPaul thousand percent but it does have a significant drag focus which is great because people absolutely want to learn drag from him um but i i mean like it's his program is like how to be your most authentic fabulous self and that's kind of what i think of when i think of you Aww, <laughs> how you. to make money by being your most fabulous yeah <laughs> by busting by busting through your own uh comfort zone and breaking down these walls and you know yada 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 oh fuck i really needed that thank you i just want to as a side note is my greatest wish that um rupaul not my greatest wish my greatest wish for rupaul as far as how many wishes i have for rupaul goes it's only a handful (laughs) only a handful but one of them is that i wish that he would stop saying transphobic shit but that said i'm not saying that there aren't things to be learned from from right, him of course and he can of course, learn too for sure and uh you know but thank I mean, you like yay yay um yeah that, that those are my thoughts on you oh god you're DM. one of the most uplifting people i have ever ever been around in my entire life same, i mean that truly same, and same. with 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 every every fuck <laughs> oh i love giving all the fucks with you i love you I love you, too. Oh, Oh my God. We just got real mushy. (laughs) Of course we did. It's the end of the world. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. And I think you you know this because you and I are so similar in this vein. It's so hard to find someone who lifts you up as much as people look to you to lift them up. Oh, yeah. It's so hard. And... You are one of the the only people who I have ever been able to be as boosted by as much as I boost. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yay. <laughs> this is that kind of a powerful personality. And it's just this – it's the best kind of uh, infinite loop. Oh, my God. The we're like kind of catch We're like a potato clock. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. And being as approachable and optimistic and just natural set point is like an openness to joy as we are. Uh, uh, you you generally just don't, you can never get from people that which you give to them. It's just, it's always going to be an imbalance. And I think we usually just find ourselves resigned to that Mm -hmm. and then once in a blue moon someone like you finds someone like me and all of a sudden you've got your potato clock Ah. (laughs) hooray right yes i adore you i adore you too (sighs) Are, are there any are there any more weird things that you wanted to be that you haven't told me yet Probably. Are you gonna do a seven-year-old Jen Ponton list where you just like <laughs> number one mongoose, number two? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that there's at least eighteen more things because I never had any. I've just I, I want my whole life up is just full of desire and yearning. Yes, uh, 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> Constant longing. Yeah. That's yeah. okay. That's good. That's good. That keeps you moving. Good. That keeps you dreaming. It keeps the fire in your belly going. Yeah. On one hand, it is a little, it's unbearable, but on the other, it's like, oh my God, but what is, what is anything without it? Right. Is it just stillness? Is it Ugh. apathy? Oh God, not apathy. No. No. no never no. that. <laughs> I would rather be thirsty for the rest of my life than not care. Oh, that's what, that's how I felt when I was, um, the first time I took that too much of a dose of Xanax. That apathy is exactly what it was. Oh, when I was just like, I think I still feel bad, but I don't care about it. <laughs> right, right. Should I poop you on my know, couch? I never want that. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no, no. I think. Um, I mean, all things considered, I either wanted to be doing this, or I wanted to spend my life in the ocean. <laughs> I love it. Either figure figure out how to turn myself into a shark. <laughs> There's still time. There's still time, Ponton. Still time. Figure out how to turn myself into a shark. Do the thing that James Cameron wrote about and uh, and like find the Titanic and search that shit. <laughs> find megalodons because fuck you if you think megalodons are actually extinct. How can anybody <laughs> Knowing that we have not explored whatever fucking percentage of the ocean we have not explored, you know? <laughs> oh my god. Now I'm gonna have fucking nightmares about twenty thousand leagues under the sea and the Marianas Trench. <gasps> oh my god, that might have been where it all started. Alex <laughs> Yeah. Okay, I first went to Disney World when I was four. Uh... By the way, Disney in nineteen eighty eight lit as fuck. Oh, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> that was I a bet. good year for Disney. Let me tell you what. <laughs> I've only been twice in my life, and that was the first. And that was when, I don't know if they still have it, but they certainly had 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, the ride. And going on that blew my tiny mind, and I was like, all I want to do for the rest of my life is live under the sea. That's oh, it. nice. <laughs> That's it. I want to explore everything. I'm sure it also had to do with, like, the Little Mermaid coming out when I was so young. So there was, yeah, the ocean was just, like, a huge, huge uh, propeller. Yeah. But just, like, exploring underneath. Mm-hmm. It, did, it did not It did not amount to me being, like, I'm going to be a beach bum because that was boring to me. Oh, totally. Like, Exploring underneath, go go go! Find all the anglerfish and and the <sighs> shipwrecks and uh, and giant extinct sharks. Oh, shipwrecks! I could talk forever about shipwrecks, but that's a whole that's another that's another story to be told another time. <laughs> Do you have recommendations? Uh, I think I already recommended um, dispatches from elsewhere. No, I don't just... Yeah, yeah, you did. You talked about it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, here's what I would really like to recommend. I would like to recommend that you put some Elmer's glue on your palm of your hand and peel it off, because that shit is satisfying (laughs) as fuck. You guys, these are the recommendations you get when we've been in quarantine for two plus weeks. (laughs) Man, it just feels so good. 
so good. It's like peeling um, a sunburn, but you don't have to get sunburned. I don't know if I made the right decision because I told you to remember something that I wanted to recommend. And oh, wait. now I have... Catalyst. Catalyst. Uh, yeah, it came, it came with the word catalyst. What were we talking about? I was talking you about my friend's science it. fair experiment and her, her dad bringing stuff oh, home. Oh, I know! Oh, my God, you're so good. Look at you. Look what you did. Yay. <laughs> okay, so here's a perfect story to end on. I want to recommend... I want to recommend episode 20 of podcast The Dollop. <laughs> okay. okay. Back in like 1990, episode 20 is about uh, is about a boy named David Hahn. <laughs> and in 1990, he was 15 years old. And David's dad was a chemist. And David was just a weird shut-in like you or I. <laughs> or apparently like your friend. Um, because his dad was like, here, David, just play with this. And David got his own chemistry set and became completely focused and obsessed uh, with chemistry and very quickly with um, with nuclear power. Oh. And essentially, at 15 years old, David Hahn made a nuclear reactor in his mom's gardening shed. Oh, my God! This is one of my favorite episodes uh. of all time of The Dollop. It's so fucking funny. It's so fucking crazy. He went on, like, it gets so bananas, and then he went on later in his life as an adult to do similar things. And then very sadly, he died, um, like, four years ago because he had spent so much of his life around radiation. But it's <gasps> bananas. And that's why I thought about him when you said the catalyst, because you were talking about your friend who just, like, played with science at home and that sort of personality. And that's exactly what David was like. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, He been... was obsessed with radium. He had a He had a Geiger counter in his car. So that he could try and find radium wherever he went. <gasps> oh <laughs> God! He he collected old clocks and watches that had been painted mm-hmm. with radium oh. to glow. Oh shit! Um, do you know about the Radium Girls movie that's coming out? I sure do. Oh, I sure do. That one is obviously way more depressing and way more horrible. Um, but but David's. I mean, he's just he's just a little mad scientist kid, and like so unattended. Parents have no fucking idea what's oh, going on until basically, what what government entity would would come in? Uh, uh like. Basically, FEMA probably, um, you know, swoops in and basically evacuates people and like, you know. like, like ET, yeah, for real, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, so good. So that's no, my I've recommendation. Been, You're uh, so good. good. I've been job. loving the shit out of the dollop. So thank you for that. <laughs> it is the perfect distraction for right now. I can't listen to the daily anymore. Oh, I can't listen. Like I can listen to 10 of minutes of the can't. news and mostly I just want it to be Mario Cuomo. Oh wait, one more recommendation. Um, if anybody is still listening, cause we've been doing this for like an hour and a half. Um, that's okay. I'm going to cut a bunch. That's All fine. Time. That's fine. It's good. Uh, uh, my friend on, um, Instagram, follow her opera Gaga. 
Um, oh my god, yes. Okay, first of all, she's she's an aerialist and an opera singer, and just like a very funny person. And she does burlesque, and she does all of these crazy variety things. She's been doing a, a series on Instagram where she refers to Cuomo as her as her pandemic dom daddy, and she's like, <laughs> mm, I just wait around and listen to, to pandemic dom daddy tell me where I can go and what I can do today. And it's, she's on today will be her fifth episode. They're just like, I don't know, two minutes long or whatever. And it just makes me mm-hmm. laugh so hard. And it, it really appeals. I One of my friends was like, the only thing that brings me comfort is when I hear Cuomo telling me what to do. And I was like, yes, that's exactly, mm-hmm. we're all waiting for him to smack us around every day. <laughs> like, please <laughs> be rough. Throw us up against the wall, baby. Like, <laughs> that's what we need to hear right now. Take charge. And every time she's like, it's Friday. Not that it fucking matters. <laughs> <laughs> They're so good. Oh, I forgot to follow her. It's so funny. She's great. Much like us, she's just a professional weirdo. Oh, she's great. She's ripped too. Oh my God, because she does all the aerial stuff. Whatever. Does she do them simultaneously? She has. That is the first of time I saw has. her performing. She was upside down singing opera. Nice. Nice. That's rad. Um, those are great recommendations. <laughs> All right. Be well. Continue to keep keep looking up. Keep looking for sunshine. Oh. Keep being a helper. And when it gets hard, that's okay too. That's okay. It's okay. That's really okay. Yeah. <sighs> Talk to you soon. We love you. Love you. And I love you. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Mwah. Mwah. <laughs>